Are you accepting it? No, of course no. not. Rubbish. The government is not accepting it. Welcome to Two Grumpy Hacks, the podcast. I'm Malcolm Farr, and of course, we're with Dennis Atkins. And this is the year of the fire hose of falsehood. Number 28 for the year. Let, let's, let's talk a bit about the great, and that's sarcasm communicator, um, Scott Morrison, that the history of the COVID pandemic in Australia will be littered with the trash of Scott Morrison's platitudes and usually paltry slogans. Let's just go through a couple, Dennis, uh, if you can bear it. Um, get on the bus. Remember that one? Uh, head of the queue. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, on a war footing. That stirred everybody in the march. That, that had two outings on a war footing. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a great leader. He goes to war as often as he can. Um, then there was the uh, the uh, baffling vaccine prepare pilot. I still don't know what that means. And the much devalued gold standard. And in a category all of its own, there's this, the Centre for National Resilience for a Quarantine Project. Talk about dressing up a um, a real estate project, uh, and it, it really, the, the, I mean, Donald Trump at least uh, talked with some consistency uh, that uh, listeners could understand. This bloke, this bloke can't do it. If I can just quote Andrew Barr, the ACT chief minister, last Thursday, he said uh, he complained of something he what he, that he de- uh, defined as. Uh, largely the regurgitation of oversimplified, shorthand, seven-second media grabs that come from a lot of federal politicians, sadly. I think he's talking about the the Prime Minister myself. Um, Is the great communicator communicating? Well, he he is communicating, and, uh, you know, he, he... he, he does it in a very Scott Morrison sort of way. I mean, uh, after Andrew Barr said that last week, Scott Morrison, of course, you know, didn't sort of reassess his communication style. He came out the next day and declared that there were 40 million doses of hope <laughs> landing any minute. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, uh, so doses of hope is the, the last, um, you know, three-word slogan or three-word uh, Sort of word picture, uh, three word picture that uh, he he could use to uh, inspire and uh, you know cheer up uh, a mainly lockdown population. There is no issue too complex. There's no problem too large that it can't be reduced uh, to a slogan or a pity um, uh, saying that uh, has no more words and you've got fingers on one hand. Um, and I, I, get, I get the impression sometimes, and this, this is, I have no evidence to back this, that one of the jobs of his advisors on highly technical matters, such as the pandemic, is to reduce it to those little edible chunks. Uh, otherwise, uh, the Prime Minister uh, won't adopt the advice and, and won't be able to uh, discuss it. 
way. Is that going too harsh at all? No, 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 no. I think I, th- I think you did right. You know, that, and um, you know, it, it, courtiers always work out how to win the affection of the leader, as uh, any any reading of um, uh, works like Machiavelli tell us. And I'm sure that uh, all the courtiers, whether they are members of the cabinet, other members of parliament, or those um, uh, poor public servants and, and expert advisors who have been trying to steer him through the pandemic. I think they've all worked out if you can give the Prime Minister something that uh, he can uh, spit out in three or five words, then uh, you'll become his favoured for at least a day. And who wouldn't want that? Oh, of course, yes. Now, the, the, the latest in this line is um, his injunction that we should, quote, live with this virus, not live in fear of it. Um, it doesn't make sense. Uh, uh, obviously, you've got a fear, uh, you know, a virus like COVID, the Delta variation and variations to come. Uh, I, I couldn't understand that. Uh, and particularly f- from a guy who uh, has all the insulation and, uh, and protection that most of, of Australia doesn't have. Uh, I, I thought it was a a, a pretty uh, shallow uh, injunction. Uh, is is he getting through to the broader public, though? Is is he inspiring? Dare I say it? Uh, 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 people to uh, to get on and live with uh, the virus, or, or live with any sort of policy that comes from his uh, comes from his government. Uh, well, he, I mean, he's communicating, and he is getting through to an extent. However. Um, you know, the, the, so you know, I don't think the public have completely given up on him. I think that you know they are still listening to him. Um, uh, however, you know, he doesn't command anywhere near the respect and the attention that other prime ministers in our lifetime, and and you know, I'm sure before our lifetimes, uh, you know, uh, have. Um, He's, he's got a shallowness about him that, that people uh, ha, are beginning to realise is, is, you know, sort of is what it is. You know, there's not much more to it than, than, than what we see. People are starting to think, well, this guy's just in it for himself. He, he cares about uh, the survival and the political advance advancement of Scott Morrison above all else. Uh, and while, while he'll come out and offer his you know, uh, handful of uh, uh, slogans uh, and, and short, pithy statements, um, you know, what he wants to do is, uh, in, in those famous words, uh, you know, fool some of the people some of the time, because he thinks if he can do that, he can probably get away with it. And maybe he will. Yeah. Moving on to another or back to another crisis. Now, uh, 2001 was an horrendous year. Uh, There's a very apt title of the book by an Australian author, The Year That Changed Everything. Um, And John Howard had to deal with it, had to deal with matters uh, uh, almost the equal of of a, a global pandemic. But of course, the uh, the big feature we're coming up to the twentieth anniversary of it was the um, the attack on the on the trade twin towers in New York. 
which was just horrendous and shook America, not just physically, but uh, intellectually and emotionally. It, it's uh, it, its uh, perception of itself as invulnerable just disappeared in, uh, uh, with those two towers. Now, you were in the United States with John Howard at that time. How was his handling of the matter? Well, he, he was remarkably clear-eyed and, and uh, you know, resolute, if you like. I mean, you know, so, I mean, John Howard is, is someone who, you know, does, does have doubts and, you know, uh, and, and doesn't mind admitting them, um, you know, sort of after the fact. Uh, but I've got to say, sort of watching him, uh, we were all at the Willard Hotel where we, where we, where we were staying, um, and uh, the Prime Minister, John Howard, uh, called a press conference to have a go at the federal court back in Australia, which had given a uh, finding overnight, uh, having a whack at the... Uh, uh, at the uh, having a whack at the government for trying to prevent a boatload of immigrants, uh, refugees, sorry, um, from landing in Australia uh, on a Norwegian vessel known as the Tamba, which a lot of people will remember. So John Howard wanted to come out, have a whack at the federal court and, and essentially get some political capital out of that. Um, between finding out about that and holding the press conference, we learned that uh, the Twin Towers in New York had been hit. Um, now, we didn't know much, so John Howard just took a couple of questions towards the end of the press conference. The other thing we didn't know, we really didn't know, was that the window behind where John Howard was speaking, which had the blind down because of the TV uh, operators, cameramen, because of their requirements, gave us a direct line of sight across uh, the Potomac to the Pentagon. If that blind had been up, we would have watched in real time uh, the third plane hit the Pentagon. And I'll never forget, I was sitting up in the back row with uh, a good friend of both yours and mine, Jim Middleton, who was then working for the ABC, uh, and Mark Jessup, uh, one of the more famous um, and, and uh, more able cameraman in Channel in Canberra who works for Channel 9, he came over, put his head down between Jim and I and said, they've hit the Pentagon. And I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. It was just extraordinary. But anyway, but to go on from that, John Howard answered a couple of questions there. We then went over to the Australian Embassy where John Howard gave a full-blown press conference. And he was one of the first leaders anywhere in the world to say that this was an act of war. And I'll never forget that. I thought, you know, wow, you know, that, that is a huge call. And it was an accurate call. Uh, and I talked to, talked to him about it afterwards. And he said, well, you know, he said, sometimes something is so clear, you just can't ignore it. You've got to say it. Um, and I mean, I've always had a fair bit of respect for John Howard. I've got to say my respect for him on that day and uh, the, the day after, um, when he was when he gave a, a follow up follow up press conference out at the ambassador's residence in Northwest Washington, uh, my, my respect for him went up. Um, uh, it, it was a remarkable place to be and a remarkable time. Um, and uh, you know, I think you know, John Howard did uh, show 
leadership that was up there with um, any any other uh, leader around the world. Um, uh, and uh, I often think of uh, how it might have been if we had have been if we had have been led by someone uh, of a lesser calibre. Can't imagine who I'm talking about. Oh, no, can, can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine of uh, Scotty from marketing doing that? Look, he, he he'd be running around chasing his own tail for a couple of weeks uh, before he I, did. I think I think we'd be we'd be uh, we'd have a banner up Aussies for Afghanistan. Or something. Yeah, I, oh yeah, we've got to live with terrorism, not fear it or something. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, but it, it, you know, the, the other extraordinary thing was, and this is where, you know, because history, you know, as they say, doesn't always repeat, but it often rhymes. And so here we are 20 years later, and the Allied forces, the NATO forces led by America, have finally pulled out of Afghanistan, and the Taliban now run the country. Now, in 2001, a lot of people who were being persecuted by the Taliban at that stage were getting on rickety boats and trying to come to Australia and the coalition government was stopping them. Um, at the moment, we've got thousands of Afghanis who are again going to be trying to get out of Afghanistan. Uh, they can't fly out of, uh, right now, but they, they're, they're trying land routes for either Pakistan or Iran. Uh, and some of those people will get on rickety boats and try to come to Australia. We already have, through the uh, compassionate um, uh, uh, personage of uh, Peter Dutton, uh, a message that if they want to come by boat, they'll be sent back to the back of the queue. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Uh, will they use that in the lead up to the next election in the same way that you know John Howard uh, certainly used um, uh, boat people uh, in 2001. Interesting question. Oh, I think the answer is pretty obvious. I think Peter Dutton is already limbering up for that sort of argument and, and uh, Scott Morrison, you know, uh, stopped the boats. Uh, a man from uh, uh, a while ago, he will, he will join forces. But none of that explains the absolute contradiction of... Uh, uh, Australia considering the Taliban to be such a vile and evil force that we'll spend 20 years fighting them, but we're supposed to expect uh, Afghans to stay there under the Taliban without us offering any help during peacetime. Uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. Uh, I, either, either we want people to live under the Taliban or we don't. And if we don't, we should accept some more, more of them than so far have been notified here in Australia. We'll, we'll see what happens. And you are still thinking that there will be an election this year, do you think? Um, I, well, you know, you've got to be able to sort of get away with it. Uh, and I've got to say that the, the, the sort of very optimistic from one point of view, assumptions that Scott Morrison and Gladys Berejiklian are making about the progress of the virus in New South Wales. Yeah, I, I find it hard to think that, that they're going to come true. I think that the idea that we're all going to be around the Christmas, you know, sort of uh, celebration table, having um, 
uh, prawns and, and whatever, um, maybe a, a bit premature. Um, if, if that's the case, if it doesn't look like Australians are going to be gathering and celebrating Christmas um, as was uh, proclaimed in some of the Sunday tabloids at the weekend, uh, then it's going to be difficult to have an election this year. However, I think Scott Morrison, if he can engineer it, he would like to, because I think he's, he, like uh, many other people, and some of those smart advisors who are feeding him uh, some information, uh, are worried about what's going to happen next year. And there are two fronts on that. One is, uh, as you said earlier, the virus isn't finished with uh, the, the world's population yet. Uh, Israel is just entering what they're calling the fifth wave. Uh, and you know, just a few months ago, Israel was the poster, poster country uh, for dealing with the virus, not anymore. Uh, at the same time, America looks like going into a double dip recession because of the Delta variant. China, which has decided that they can eliminate the virus, looks like they could be headed for a, a, an economic, well, at least sort of um, stalling, if not contraction. contraction. Uh, now, if those things happen, then the Australian economy could start to spin backwards. So, you know, as, as, as we've uh, remarked so many times over the last 18 months, is there's the only thing that you can be certain about during all this is the uncertainty. And um, the uncertainty is going to play a big role in whether or not we have an election before Christmas. If he can get away with it, Scott Morrison will be up at like uh, the proverbial upper drain pipe. Oh, he'll have a plan. He'll probably have three or four plans before then. Um, all right, and we have a plan to return next week, and I'm certain we will, I think. In the meantime, it's goodbye from him. And it's goodbye from me.